The Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership exists to ignite ideas and inspire actions among community-minded individuals and organizations alike. We'll have a conversation with its founder, Aaron Lynch, about the very important work the Phoenix Center is doing right here in our community. So stay tuned for a conversation with Aaron Lynch coming up next on Chapters. I am delighted to have an old friend, Aaron Lynch, back. How are you, Aaron? Hi, Jim. I'm good. How are you? It's good to see you. Aaron is the founder and owner of the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership, and I am just uh, thrilled to be reading about what the Phoenix Center offers, Aaron. And I know that we just had a conversation before we came in the air, and I saw so many areas that this would apply not only to me personally, but with many of the organizations that I worked with that I couldn't wait to have you in. Can you tell us a little bit about the Phoenix Center? Sure. Um, so the Phoenix Center is something that came to life based on my years of working with nonprofit organizations and volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is based on the belief that all of us have the potential to transform our lives and transform our communities through collaboration, creativity, and service to others. I love that. This is this is something that empowers people. This gives t- people the tools to say, I think I want to do something. How do I do it? And this is the answer. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's so many of us, Jim, who are watching the news, reading the headlines and feel kind of sick to our stomachs, Mm -hmm. feel afraid, feel discouraged, feel overwhelmed with the the magnitude of the challenges that are facing the world Mm -hmm. today. And I think that can be paralyzing. And I think sometimes people do have a sense of, hey, I, I would love to do something, but I, I don't have the first clue what to do, or it's just too much, or where do you even start? And so this program is a way to help people find their path, help people take their own gifts, their own strengths, and, and, and magnify that for the greater good. And we're going to talk a lot more about how exactly the Phoenix Center works with individuals and organizations to help empower them. Before we do that, though, Aaron, I wanted people to know a little bit about Aaron Lynch. Um, I first met you uh, when you were the director of the Franklin Food Pantry, which you've only recently left after seven years uh, of, of mission work. Yes, yeah. it was. I loved working with the Franklin Food Pantry. I still have a, a really big place in my heart for that organization. Yeah. It was um something that meant a lot to me personally. Uh, There were times in my life where I was in need of a food pantry and Mm. other resources, and to be able to give back in that way was very meaningful. Yeah, and you come from a long line in your family of service, people that are service-oriented. Your parents were big role models of yours, right? They were, and they still are, are. yes. yes. Um, I grew up in inner-city Baltimore, and saw a lot of poverty, a lot of social injustice, a lot of crime. And my parents uh, helped run a soup kitchen there, which is that soup kitchen is still there to this day. And it had a very big impact on me. Yeah, I'll bet it did. And Aaron, I'm curious, you are someone that's done this. You've walked the walk, literally. Uh, and I'm just curious, what do you think the qualities are in somebody that helps them take other people's needs and be able to directly empathize with them and then move that person into action to try to help those people. Are there, is there a special type of person or is, do you think we all have it in us? 
I like to believe that every person has it in them. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think that there are circumstances in life that can bring that out or emphasize those Mm -hmm. traits. Um, I'll tell you, Jim, you know, when we talk about what makes a great leader, uh, a lot of people have sort of a stereotype in their mind of what makes a good leader. Ma- yep. You know, maybe people think of politicians or um, people in the public eye. And I'll tell you that one of the greatest leadership moments that I ever experienced was when I was utilizing a food pantry. And uh, I was approaching the case of eggs to get some eggs for my family. There was only one one carton of eggs left. And another woman who was... Uh, a client of that food pantry went up to get some eggs and um, got there before me, saw that it was the last carton Mm -hmm. and took that carton of eggs and split it in half and gave me half and said, there is always enough to share. Wow. And here's a woman who was in no better situation than myself, going through all kinds of struggles and challenges of her own and took that moment to Number one, share. Number two, be aware of someone else's needs. And number three, kind of inspire me with her attitude. Yeah. That's a leader. That's a leader. Anyone can do that. What a great example. When you immediately said, let me give you an example of a leader, I thought we were going to be talking about someone on a board of directors or, or a corporate. You're, that is such a great story because what you're doing is you're illustrating that we all have leadership in us. It's a question of tapping into the thing that we're most passionate about giving us some tools to use to to uh, express that leadership. Yes. Right? For positive change. And, and you're saying in that moment, that woman was the yep. was the leader that you'd always been looking for, if you will. Right. So that was, you know, what years I, ago, years ago, and that moment stuck with me. Mm. And and it's the perfect reminder that you, you never know what you have to offer someone else. Mm-hmm. You never know what your words might do for someone else in that moment. And that person had no knowledge that they were standing next to the future director of the Franklin Food Pantry and impacting their lives to the point where they'd be sitting on a radio program talking about them. <laughs> right, and, right. And, you know, I have my own example. I watch my parents, uh, who I love dearly, they're in their mid-80s down in uh, Florida, and, you know, they're not smokers, they're not drinkers, they don't play golf, but what they like to do is, frankly, just work with their food pantry at church, and I watch the compassion and, and, and empathy, and this is stuff that you do, they do with absolutely no fanfare or recognition, and uh, it motivates me to want to do, to be better, you know, and, and so you're right, these leaders come from, from everywhere. Um, Aaron, your story is, is just fascinating and very, very compelling. You've spent time in corporate America as well. Uh, well, over the years, I've had all types of different roles. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just haven't only done nonprofit <laughs> right. work. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been exposed to the to the menu of things. Do you, do you have a sense that the private sector is doing things to support volunteerism for their employees? Or do you are you cynical about that and think that it's it's not something that the private sector cares about? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I think that the trend is leaning more and more towards companies having corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. programs, which mm-hmm. is a great thing to see. Um, you know, you can always balance that with what is the motivation behind it. And right. sometimes people will argue that there's a uh, an ulterior motive. Sure. Um, I think that could be said of anything, sure. right? You Absolutely. know, if I volunteer somewhere, my ulterior motive is it, it makes me feel great inside. Everyone right. has some motivation for mm-hmm. doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I like to see that trend. Um, I think there's always more that can be done. Uh, I also think that it's important to look beyond service projects as a way to move the needle forward. I think a lot of times uh, high school groups, community service groups, corporate service groups uh, like to have a neat project check it off the box and and believe that the needle has moved yes and uh, and that's not always the case and and i don't mean any disrespect to to service projects i think there's a a very important um need for those but i think looking more so at each individual's daily habits actions thinking speaking um culture the culture and the awareness piece is so huge I'm so glad you brought that up, and I love the way you described that. And with the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership, that's really where you're going to find tools to help organizations move that needle, help 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 their employees move that needle. My son was a student at a private Catholic school down the street. Mm-hmm. Wonderful school, wonderful organization. But I did see some service work coming out of there. It was very project-oriented, and mm-hmm. then on to the next thing, check a box. Mm-hmm. It'd be very interesting to see how Phoenix could could change that dynamic with um, you know school-age kids or adults alike. Yeah, and I think kind of taking a step back, you know, and, and, and saying, okay, um, as we approach this service project, yep. what are some of the the long term sustainability factors? You know, beyond the completion of this project, how does it affect the people involved? How can I continue to really be an advocate for the change that we're trying to to make? I want to remind everybody we are speaking with Aaron Lynch. Aaron is the owner of the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership right here in Franklin. You can reach Aaron at 508 918 7679. You can also find the Phoenix Center on Facebook and Twitter. I urge you to follow them and stay in touch with everything going on in the center, including the Leadership Academy, which is coming up here in the fall. Right, Erin? And what is the date for the Leadership Academy? Um, They start the second week in September, Mm -hmm. uh, various days. And again, that full schedule and all the sites can be found um, on our website. Right. And this is for uh, children as young as in sixth grade and all the way through the oldest adult you can find. But but it's applicable to everyone. So, Erin, let's dig into the Phoenix Center and talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about what it is you do and how you do it, importantly. Sure. So uh, the big thing that we're launching this fall is the Leadership Academy. Mm -hmm. That is a seven-week program. Mm -hmm. There is an adult course. There's also a youth course for uh, students entering grades 6 through 12. Mm -hmm. And the the process for both groups is going to be very similar. Uh, Obviously, the adults may bring a little bit more uh, world experience to the table, but I don't underestimate what those youth are able to bring. And so we we start by kind of looking at this process of leadership as as a cycle that that people go through that needs to be constantly renewed. So so it's not a linear process. There's not a beginning and an end. Right. It, it's a cycle that repeats and it starts with a dream. What What is the dream? What is it that we want to do? If you looked at the world around you, how would you make it? How would you want it to be? And then how do we get there? And what are the, you know, you talked about some of the skills. I I remember when I was in grade school, one of the skills that was hammered into us was critical thinking. Right. And that's a piece that I'm not sure we have quite enough of going on today. Yeah. Um, And that's the ability to, 
you know, read a news article and think what biases might be behind this article and what biases am I bringing to the table when I read an article? What are the different perspectives that are creating the lens in which we look at the world? Mm. All of that directly affects your ability to be a good leader. You know, Aaron, when I was, uh, and I've many times I've sat in an audience of, uh, at a high school graduation commencement, and the speaker says to the students and everybody assembled, and now it's your duty to go out and change the world. Mm. And I remember that ringing very hollow with me, and it does every time I hear it, because frankly, I can't change the world. It doesn't sound plausible to me. What I learned along the way by being exposed to people like yourself that gave me outlets for some work that I wanted to do in the community was stop thinking about the world and think about the person right in front of you. Can you have a positive impact on the person that this organization is trying to serve and other constituents around you? And that that one change right there is in effect changing the world. Absolutely. The butterfly effect. It, it absolutely is. I don't know if you've ever heard that Will Smith talking about the summer that his dad had him build the brick wall. No, and, no, and, and so he, he, the dad says to him, you know, okay, it's, it's, you're going to build this brick wall. And Will Smith and I think his brother maybe are saying, how in the heck are we ever going to do this? It's an insurmountable task. Yeah. And the dad says, don't worry about that. Don't think about the whole wall. He says, you take one brick. Yeah. And you lay that brick as perfectly as you possibly can. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. And before you know it, you have that brick wall in front of you. What a great metaphor. So the dream process, you actually have a process for expressing the dreams and getting them out and on paper, I assume? Yeah. and in and a tangible I, form? And I think, um, so one of the you know exercises that we start with is kind of looking at the different manifestations of dreams in your life. So, so for example, you, Jim, you have multiple different roles, multiple Mm -hmm. different hats in your life. You're, you know, a dad, a community advocate, Mm -hmm. um, talk show host, all these different roles. And for each of those, you probably have some dream of what they would look like in your ideal world. And at any given time, you're going to be more successful with one of those roles than the other. Right. And so part of the process is figuring out um, where are you with those different roles, which ones are, are having a void, which ones are, are really rocking it for you and why, and how can you tap that into the other ones and make them come alive. And one of the, one of the roles that people, so when I have people lay out their, their roles of, of what they currently do, I always have them make one line for the dreamer. You know, what is that one thing that that hasn't come to life yet that you don't do yet that you might want to do? And even if you don't know what it is, write it, write down a space for it. Hold a place for that um, because you're always growing. You're always becoming something more. And I think the thing that adults lose as they age is that ability to tap into Oh, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like a kid. Exactly. Yeah. I, wow. So, so that's just a normal part of the aging process, yeah. I guess, and yeah. psychologically, right? Because yeah. I, I've heard that many, many times in different, expressed different ways, and I felt it myself. You know, um, I've always dreamt about being on the ocean. Okay, it's one of my dreams. I don't have the money to go buy a house on the ocean, but do I need a ton of money to live in the ocean? Right. I was driving through Musquamacut down on, on, uh, in Rhode Island one time, 
and aptly named, there's Jimmy's Mobile Home Park. <laughs> and it is right on the dune. And I looked at my uh, my son, and not jokingly, I said to him, well, I could see myself doing that. I don't need much, you know? Exactly. So I, I realized at that moment, I had squashed my dream with these self-limiting beliefs. Yes. And, and the thing is that people have a tendency to do the same thing with dreams as they do with challenges, which is to blow them up so big that they're overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so with a great dream or a great obstacle, the key is to break it down, 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 down into the smallest, most immediate, most manageable piece. So, for example, you might be saying to yourself, I'm never going to have $100,000 for that dream house. How much does it cost to drive to the beach one day? Have a picnic on the beach. Peanut butter and jelly. Right. (laughs) Right. What, it's important. So this gives you the dream. And what is the next component of, uh, of transforming right. our leadership so, skills? So once you, you kind of pull out these dreams and what, what you want to do and what you want the world to look like, then, then you have to have a plan. You have to have some actionable steps of how to get there. And that's kind of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm taking that that big overwhelming piece and, and breaking it down and saying, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? And what are the habits that I can instill every day that are going to bring me closer to that? You keep using the expression, move the needle. Mm-hmm. I love that expression <laughs> um, because we're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for you to actualize your dream overnight. You're looking for yourself to take that one step of what can I do in this moment that will move me a little bit closer Exactly. To the goal. Exactly. And I think um, it's so important, too, to be aware of how those little movements that you are making are going to uh, exponentially inspire other people down the road. Right. And, and that's the part that I think a lot of people uh, underestimate is their ability to, to really inspire other people. Boy, I, that's been my experience. Yeah. And... Um, uh, boy, without some marker along the way to say stop, appreciate this, mm-hmm. as you'll see later on in this program, that's what this program's about, um, is marking time, both good and bad, uh, yeah. together in a group. Uh, but you're not motivated to, to think about that, of, of how the influence has impacted other people or other people have impacted you and celebrate it. Right. Right. And and this can this can be true of positive things and negative mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, you always are. Every person has a little sphere of influence right. around them, yep. right? It starts with you, and then it, it goes to your most immediate friends and family. That's your sphere of influence, and you are constantly affecting that, and you can constantly grow that. Yeah. And by your influence on them, they are then in turn influencing others. Yeah. And, and, and whether it's something that you did positively or negatively, it's that ripple is out there. Yeah, it sure is. The next component you have on your site is learn. Mm-hmm. How is learning important to this process? So I, I talked a little bit earlier about how this is a cycle that constantly repeats this leadership. It's not a, a beginning point and you just keep going uphill and uphill until it's over. It's mm-hmm. a cycle. And along the way, you're going to constantly be needing to learn new things, mm-hmm. evaluate yourself. Where are you? What do you need to learn to get to the next stage? Do you think we underestimate what we need to learn? So if I come all ginned up and say I'm going to join the uh, you know, <laughs> butterfly organization to, to foster more monarch butterflies, do you think I forget to learn about what butterflies do and all that? I just get focused on, you know, 
I think what the tasks at hand. I think very similar to what I was talking about with the service projects is that a lot of times people want to be able to check off a box. Right. Che- you know, okay, did that, done. Um, it, it, it's really more of a two-way dialogue. So for any organization that you're trying to help, any social movement that you're trying to impact, it's very much a two-way dialogue. What do they need? How can I learn from them? Uh, and, and what can I share with them that I bring to the table? Mm. And again, thinking about what lens are you looking through when you're talking with them? Are you looking through the lens of, you know, I want a butterfly certificate on my wall? Right, right. Uh, You know, or are you looking through the lens of, hey, maybe they don't actually need more bodies around the table right now, but maybe what they really would need is me to just talk about it more on my radio show. Right. Right. It's great, great point. I remind everybody, we're speaking with Aaron Lynch. Aaron Lynch is the founder and owner of the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership located here in Franklin, Massachusetts. I do want to let people know how to reach you, Aaron. The uh, website is phx for phoenix com. highly recommend you getting there and looking at the website you can also find the phoenix center for transformative leadership on facebook twitter and you can reach aaron at 508-918-7679 and importantly aaron you have a couple of offerings coming up here in the fall one in particular that we want to call attention to the leadership academy That's right. right. So that'll be at six different sites in neighboring towns this fall. Um, The full list and full schedule is available on that website. Again, we have programs for adults and programs for youth. And the early bird registration rate goes through August 15th. And I want people to know how approachable this is. It's very, very affordable. And uh, beyond getting the actual course, you will offer ongoing coaching, right? Uh, So the relationship doesn't have to end. Absolutely not. I encourage people to stay involved. Um, One of the great things that I'm hoping to create here is a sort of alumni network of people who are like-minded, who really uh, want to continue to be inspired, continue to learn, continue to engage in this type of discussion. What a great idea. I really encourage people to get out and look at the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership. Give Erin a call. uh, Enroll online for the leadership Uh, courses and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. So we covered uh, the process of of transformative leadership, building a a leader uh, through the dreaming and the planning and the learning phase. And then you talk about connecting. Um, And this one really intrigued me. Can you talk about the meaning of connection in this process? Sure. I think the, the connection piece has multiple meanings. And I think the most important one is starting by looking at who is is currently in your life, who currently in your life either inspires you or discourages you. How can you relationships that are inspiring? How can you strengthen the relationships that teach you that that challenge you to be the best version of yourself. Right. You want to surround yourself with those people. We really are who we associate with. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, I really encourage people to reach out for mentors. And I think as we get older, that's something that becomes harder and harder to do. And, you know, you were talking earlier about do we maybe underestimate what we have to learn? And I think we underestimate how much other people can teach us sometimes as we get older. Right. I I think um, looking at who out there would be willing to share with you how did they get there? What, What moves their needle and how can they, you know, help bring that to your life? I had an experience which, uh, 
I wish I could take credit for, but someone ushered me to just what you're talking about um, with Mark Shriver, Mark Shriver of Save the Children U.S. And uh, this was a lesson on so many fronts. I had someone introduce me to him. I never thought that Mark would take my phone call, let alone meet me for a cup of coffee. But he did both. And I asked him uh, to be my mentor. over a project, just over a project that I was considering. And of course, I was dry mouthed and nervous. Here's Mark Shriver, a Kennedy, you know, running a multi-million dollar effort. And he looked at me, he said, I can't be your mentor, Jim, but I will be your friend tour. <laughs> and I said, why? He says, because I looked you up and you're younger than I am or older than I am. And I can't mentor someone. And my point was, this guy not only took my call and not only sat with me for a cup of coffee, but he had looked me up. He had taken the time to do that. Why? Not because I'm Jim Derrick and anything special. It's because he's Mark Shriver and he wants to be around people that want to do good. It didn't care how many zeros or dollar signs were up in front of my project, which was a a multi-thousand dollar project as opposed to a multi-million dollar project. So I guess the lesson that I learned was not only the lesson you just shared, which is how much other people can teach us, but just the fact that ask people. Absolutely. Because people that have this sort of philanthropic mind want to talk to others and they don't care who the heck you are. Absolutely. Usually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? And here's the other piece. The, the, the challenges that are facing the world today, it's a really, really big job. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to need a bigger boat, <laughs> right? Right. None, not a single one of us can do it alone. And I'll tell you, there are going to be days when Every person, no matter who they are, no matter what their credentials or experience, there are going to be days when those leaders need to have a timeout, need to sit it out, need to regroup, need to find their inspiration again. And we need a big, huge, fresh pool of people that have that energy that can, you know, we can all kind of take turns Mm -hmm. taking our time out. For sure. From the connection, we go on to celebrate. There's not much in this website I don't like. The celebrate really hit me between the eyes because I've. Uh, this is something that was relatively foreign to me until I read what you're talking about. Can you describe why this is important for an individual in an organization? Sure. So the celebrate piece, if you think of this leadership cycle, you know, as a wheel that keeps turning, uh, the celebrate piece is really the one that keeps the tire inflated, and and it's. Um, it's it's about celebrating the joys as well and equally as important as marking and honoring the defeats. Yes. So, for example, in an organization, um, there's going to be a lot of big dreams and a lot of big goals. And you're going to have some small victories along the way. Don't brush those aside. Take the time to honor those because they are going to inspire you to keep going. And on the flip side of that, you're going to have some defeats. It, it's inevitable. Especially that, with volunteers. Yeah. Absolutely. And the guilt factor if you have a defeat, right? Absolutely. And the thing about people who, you know, want to change the world is that you're very passionate. Right. You're very invested. And, and it doesn't serve anyone to sweep those defeats under the carpet. Um, I think you need to take time to reflect on and grieve for those things that didn't go well. And that's going to allow you um, sort of that wholeness to continue on the journey and keep going strong. It'll sweep it away or at least uh, reconcile it, if you will, so that the organization can move forward. I think about the term disease. Um, I've always worried with organizations that I've served in a leadership position, which I'm doing now. I worry about 
disease on the board. I never want a board member looking back at me wondering what they're doing there because we haven't given clear direction. Mm-hmm. I think mutual mystification does nobody any good. I'm not sure why you're here and what I'd like from you, and you have no idea how you plug in here. But I also think that when you do plug in and you do execute things, if something doesn't work out well, if that gets buried, and I've seen this happen, in other words, if, if, if the whole failure gets brushed aside, then people sit around the table kind of looking at each other saying, I wonder whatever happened to that project. I guess we just don't talk about that here because, ooh, I wonder whose fault it was, you know, and it festers. It never goes well from there. I agree. And I'll give you a perfect example. I think, you know, from my experience working at the Franklin Food Pantry, a couple of years ago, we really made a huge push to get a new facility. Right. And we came very, very close to doing that. Um And a lot of people's hearts and time and effort went into it. We had architectural drawings made up and everything, and and it didn't work out. And and I have to say, I think I, as leader of that organization, did not do a good enough job of of taking time to... um, to grieve that defeat yeah. um, and really say what pieces didn't work, how can we move forward as a whole unit? Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that can have devastating results. If I have this transformative leadership continuum at mm-hmm. my disposal as a tool, as a volunteer, uh, as a leader in an organization or a participant, um, then I've got something to mark why it's important to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's easy to get into the maze and forget about all this stuff. Exactly. And I think so one of the things that I hope to be able to do through this organization is to be that third party, that objective, fresh set of eyes. You know, when I was running the food pantry, you're so close, you're so in it, you're so in the day to day. Um, It it can be very hard to take that step back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true of individuals and organizations. When you're right in the heart of anything, um, it's really hard to take that objective look and be reminded of some of these milestones. Erin, the last uh, part of the continuum is serve. What what does that mean? So, and and I put that as last because I think mistakenly a lot of people try to start with that. And I think... Service should come from a overflowing full bucket. So in other words, you're not looking to the service to fulfill you. That may be a beautiful side effect, but um, you need to have all your ducks in a row, be very complete in, in who you are in your leadership, and then take those celebrations, take those joys that you've experienced, take those defeats that you've had, and turn those into serving others. Wow. I have never entered a volunteer position putting service last. Like most people, you come out of the gate and you say, I got to get to feeding people. I've got to get to doing the business of this thing. Give me something to run with. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking, well, that's kind of like saying I want to I want to I want to race in the Daytona 500, not checking the tire pressure on the car. Right. Not setting the uh, the wheel calibration so it's balanced, not inflating the tires. I've got a machine that isn't prepared to go on the course. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Oh, wow. It's that, the old, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first type of thing. Aaron, why does that? I consider myself to be reasonably intelligent. <laughs> I was a liberal arts major, but I still got something out of it in the 80s. Um why does that dawn on me as someone that's owned businesses before and done exhaustive planning for my business and even my personal life with some success and some failure, but I do it. I know it's important. Why does that just dawn on me now as a volunteer? 
because I think the nature of what we want to do is we see as human beings, our human nature is we see problems out there. We want to fix them out there. It's a lot easier than looking in at ourselves and starting here and then moving out. And and I think that's just um, it's typical of almost any process in life. Um, it's almost easier to start the farther away, you know, that is from you personally. Boy, here's the thing. We People that volunteer, they come, as you said, with a lot of passion, but they're also giving very precious time to an organization. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, I want the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership. I want this program in place because it says to my volunteer corps, I value what you're doing enough to participate in this organizationally and as individuals so that we're all prepared and driving the same machine. And this is a long haul, right? right. The, none, right. Of, none of right. these problems that we're trying to address are going to get changed overnight. It's not a sprint. It's going to take a lot of people and a lot of time, and it's going to take investing in leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so important. I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Aaron Lynch. Aaron is the owner of the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership. I urge you to take a look at their website. You can also find the Phoenix Center for Transformative Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Aaron's on LinkedIn. And you can reach them at 508-918-7679. And I have to say, I saw this and asked Aaron for an interview a week ago because it came across my feed in Facebook. I, I got to tell you, as somebody who has spent uh, the better part of the last couple of years with several different organizations as a volunteer, I wish we had employed these tools back then. It's, it's very captivating stuff because it's taking that real business sense, that real planning that you can't get somewhere unless you know where you're going and why you're going there. But it's not so business oriented that it sucks the life out of the dreams. And that's the key to me. You can tell it's written by somebody that's had those dreams, has worked, in Aaron's case, as the executive director for a food pantry, and before that with their parents in Baltimore. This is someone who's boots on the ground doing this. If you can help organizations maximize the use of volunteers, maximize the potential of their leadership, thereby maximizing the mission, this is going to be a much better place to live. I want to thank you, Aaron. It is so good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, for my friend Aaron Lynch, my name's Jim Derrick. This has been Chapters Radio, and I will see you next week.